This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, Pens and Islanders play a pivotal Game 5 in Pittsburgh. It's the main reason why I'm so tired uh, at the moment. The Orioles uh, try to snap a long losing streak. Tons of NBA and NHL action uh, to get to today. And some big, I don't know if it's big quite yet, but it's definitely trending in that direction. Some big news in the NFL. Sort of an update on the whole Aaron Rodgers, uh, Green Bay Packers drama. And Julio Jones is pretty much as good as gone from Atlanta. All of that and more in your calls. Your involvement on the show coming up in the next two hours. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential workday. Come on. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Our Twitter pages at WCMD Morning Rush. My page at Rush Tony C. If you followed my page last night, uh, you know how I feel about the Penguins Islanders game this morning. Our Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. All three of those pages free and open to the public. Like them, follow them. Anytime you feel froggy, take the leap. Drop me a line. Got a question, comment, opinion? You want to get involved in a conversation? You don't want to call the show, but you want to to be heard. Perfect way to do it right there. Twitter, Facebook. If you want to be heard, call the Rush Line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course... Our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. You can go back and listen to anything you may have missed. All right there in one neat little package, a daily package, if you will. So just download that uh, Podbean app on your phone or tablet, and there you go. All right. So, again, a lot to get to, and uh, let's get to it. As we kick off today's show, as we kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins and Islanders played that pivotal game five last night in Pittsburgh, and they needed extra time to settle their differences. Just outside the blue line of the Islanders on the goal and in an awkward blocker save here, a turnover chance for Bailey and alone. Shoot, he scores! Josh Bailey has won it in overtime! Islanders win it 3-2! They take a three games to two series lead and will have a chance to close out the Penguins Wednesday night at the Coliseum in Game 6! The call on the Islanders radio network. A little remix, uh, dropping a beat in the background there. I did not do that. That's not me. 3-2 the final. New York wins in double overtime. Much to my chagrin, they take a 3-2 series lead. Game six back on the island uh, tomorrow. Evgeny Malkin 
had a power play goal. Brian Rust, a goal for the Penguins. Much more on that game coming up here in just a bit. In Major League Baseball, the Orioles were in Minnesota trying to snap a six-game losing streak. And the 0-1 pitch. Line drive to right down the line. That's going to be a fair ball. It lands. It scoots by Santander. Garlic scores. Here comes Kirilov heading home. He will score sliding, and Garver drives in two. And the Twins take a 5-3 lead here in the eighth inning. The call on the Treasure Island Radio Network. Six runs for the Twins in the eighth inning. And they rallied to beat the O's 8-3. D.J. Stewart hit a two-run homer in the top of the eighth to give Baltimore a 3-2 lead. But Minnesota came back with six straight two-out hits in the bottom half of the frame. Uh, Cesar Valdez blew his fourth save in 12 chances for the O's. Elsewhere, the Nationals and Pirates were off yesterday. Nats continue their nine-game homestand tonight with the first of three games against Cincinnati. And the Pirates open a three-gamer against the Cubs at PNC Park. Nationals game, oh, by the way, weather permitting, can be heard right here on this very station. In college football, West Virginia received a verbal commitment from junior college defensive back Caleb Coleman. Uh, Coleman played seven games For Hutchison Community College in Kansas this past spring, he had three interceptions and 20 tackles. He received a scholarship from WVU in in May. I'm sorry, a scholarship offer from WVU on May 5th. He also has offers from Washington State and Western Kentucky. And in high school tennis, some uh, Mineral County doubles teams are headed to the state tournament. That's right. Uh, Kaiser's number one doubles team of Dylan Wilson and Alex Stanislawczyk, hope I pronounced that right, and the number two doubles team of Caleb Kitzmiller and Hunter Powell uh, qualified for state. Frankfurt's number two doubles team of Bryson Lane and Kyle Shoemaker also headed to Charleston and the state tennis tournament. Congrats to all of them. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you uh, by the Caporelli Group. They're still playing regionals, right? They're in the regionals. That's how you know you get to states. I do believe there are more region finals today. So we may have uh, some more players qualifying for states uh, later on this morning. All right, so <laughs> we're going to start, unfortunately, with that game last night. And it was one of those games that you sat down to watch. Game started shortly after 7 o'clock. Goes multiple overtimes. And in the end, you can't believe you invested that much time in one game only to see your team lose. How many times have we done that? How many times against your better judgment you stay up late or you you sit there for four hours plus sometimes longer watching a game. And at the moment, it's exciting, right? It's overtime. It's double overtime. But then you're let down because your team didn't didn't finish the job. So last night, Pens lose 3-2 in double overtime. And they are now on the brink of elimination in the first round for the third straight year. Now, yesterday, 
We talked about the Capitals unable to get out of the first round since winning the Cup in 2018. Penguins, they only have one playoff series win since winning back-to-back Cups in 16 and 17. So they haven't fared much better over the past three or four years since winning their last championship. And it was one of those games that makes hockey so great and so frustrating at the same time, depending on what what side of the fence you're sitting. Penguins outshot the Islanders 50-28, including 20-4 in the second period alone. Let me repeat that. They outshot them 50-28, including 20-4 in the second period alone. They dominated stretches of the game. But, as is the case several times in hockey, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, good goaltending beats and trumps all. And the rookie for the Islanders, Ilya Sorokin, was he was incredible last night. He was fantastic, which is something I can't really say about Tristan Jari, who he has been, for lack of a better word, uh, shaky. This playoffs, his first playoff series as a starter. Remember, as this goaltending carousel turns and turns for the Penguins, they had Mark Andre Fleury, and they let him leave town for Matt Murray who then stunk it up. So then they traded Matt Murray away to give Tristan Jari the job. And now Jari isn't really getting it done. He gave up the three goals on just 28 shots. At one point, the Islanders had two goals on just 15 shots. Now, I will say this. Uh, The first two the Islanders scored... Jari was pretty much left high and dry by his defense. Right, there's, there's really no, there's no denying that. Penguins controlled the majority of the first period. They had a one nothing lead late in the period when Chris Letang, who uh, who is as as boneheaded as he is talented, he decides he wants to pinch with under a minute left. Islanders get the puck go the other way, leaving Jake Gensel a forward back to defend, and Anthony Beauvillier buried it to tie the game. The Pens, again, one of those situations, they played great hockey for the first 19 minutes of the period, and they were still tied heading into intermission because of Latang's bonehead play. Now, let me explain something to you. I understand a lot of folks listening may not be hockey people, I've explained from the very first day of this show that we will talk hockey on this show. I will do my best to get people tuned into the game. It's a fantastic game. In case you don't know, a pinch is when a defender steps up into the offensive zone because he sees an opportunity to score. He joins the rush, more or less. But when you do that, that leaves a forward like Jake Gensel having to cover back to defend if things don't work out. Well, it didn't work out last night. There's always a risk involved 
when a defender leaves the blue line to pinch in. And it's there's always a risk involved, and one that shouldn't have been taken that late in the period. And I was, I was texting my brother and some friends uh, during the game, as we always do. And I kind of, it's the equivalent of a football team passing the ball late in the game when they have a lead or late in the half. You know what I mean? Like you have a lead, you have possession, there's no need to take a chance or risk passing the football. That's what it's like when a defender pinches that late. In the, it shouldn't have been done. But it was. And in the first period that the Penguins dominated, they're tied 1-1. And then on the Islanders' second goal, uh, Brian Dumoulin turned the puck over behind the net, and Jordan Eberle buried that one to tie the game in the third period. Again, a case of Jari's defense letting him down. But the worst of them all (laughs) was 100% Jari's fault. We weren't even a minute into the second overtime. And Jari plays the puck. The puck was dumped in. And a lot of times in that situation, the goaltender will just, he'll stop it and he'll leave it. He'll leave it for one of his teammates to come back and pick it up and then go the other way. Or he'll he'll, he'll send it off the boards, right? He'll send it off to the left or off to the right. But not Tristan Jari, not on this night, no. He tries to clear right up the middle of the ice, which, again, if you don't know, is an absolute cardinal sin in the game of hockey. He tries to clear right up the middle. The pass goes right to Josh Bailey. And you heard me play the clip in the Rock Around the Region. Bailey beat Jari like he owned him. And the Islanders win the game 51 seconds into the double OT. And I immediately tweeted that Jari made one of the worst mistakes you'll ever see a goaltender make in any game, in any situation. That is bleeping inexcusable. And it was. You never try to clear up the middle. And, and, and that goes for any player, not just a goaltender. And it's like in basketball. Again, trying to make a comparison here for those who don't know. We always tell players, you never try to save the ball under your own basket, right? Because you might throw it right to the other team and give them an easy bucket. So you never try to save it under your own bucket. Same thing. Same exact thing when you try to clear the puck up the middle. It was such a stupid thing to do. And now here the Penguins are having to go on the road to keep their season alive. A game where they were so, so many spots in that game, they were the better team. They were the more dominant team. Chance after chance after chance after chance. And they just they couldn't get it done. And again, Sorokin was a big part of that. He was a big reason for that. Take nothing away from him. He was probably, I won't say definitely, the main reason why the Islanders won that game. Somebody put the numbers up. It was ridiculous. You know, they count shots on goal. 
Shots on goal are different from shots, okay? There's a, there's a difference between the two. Shots on goal are obviously ones that are either in the back of the net or saved by the goaltender. Those are official shots on goal. I can shoot the puck and miss everything. That's just a shot. There's a difference. Then there are scoring chances, which is something completely different. At one point in the game, like the Penguins had completely doubled up the Islanders in those categories. It was like 80 to 40. That's how dominant they were. And they just they couldn't get it done. They could not get the puck past Sorokin, and they just made too many boneheaded mistakes. And somebody, if I could dig it up here real quick, because I actually took a uh, screen cap of it and sent it to my friends here. Somebody on Twitter, Sam Werner, I don't know who he is. He's a Penguins fan. He summed it up perfectly. and I, I, I couldn't have put it any better myself. He says, it feels like every Penguins goal this series comes after a 10-minute period of sustained dominance. And every Islanders goal comes after a Penguins player does something just comically dumb. That's it. And I even retweeted that and said, you know what? That That's the perfect analysis. That Sam was spot on. That the Penguins just turn into this juggernaut and just dominate the play for huge chunks. And then they score a goal. And the Islanders, while getting dominated, just get either stupid puck luck or the Pens just do something stupid and say, here, there you go. Score a goal. So so frustrating. And I said this yesterday, that the pressure was all on the Penguins to win last night. The, the Islanders knew even if they lost, which they're supposed to do on the road, the Penguins had the best home record in the league this year. Right? And they've lost two games on home ice in this, in this series. The Islanders knew if they lost, hey, they go back home tomorrow, they have a chance to tie this series up and force a Game 7 back in Pittsburgh, and hey, in a Game 7, anything can happen. The last thing the Penguins wanted was to have to go to Long Island and try to force a Game 7, which is exactly what's going to happen. Or has to happen. And if they fail tomorrow... Or in a Game 7, should they force it, then, much like the Capitals we talked about yesterday, it's another first-round flameout for a team that still has Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Gensel and Rust, and other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to start asking some questions about where the team it, – it, it's, it's kind of funny how you look at the last two, three years – how the Capitals and the Penguins are kind of running uh, parallel to each other. They've had similar exits in the playoffs. And now, the series isn't over. The Penguins still come back and win two straight. I'm not burying them quite yet. But should they lose this first-round series, they're going to have to start asking the same questions as the Capitals are asking themselves right now. They're really, really in, in, in similar spots. What are some of those questions you may ask? Well, after the break, I'll tell you, and I'll try to answer them. Stick around, WCMD. This.
This is the morning rush. That's how I feel. I'm waiting for the end to come. After the Penguins lost to the Islanders last night. 3-2 in double OT. Islanders now lead the series 3-2. Penguins got to win two straight to advance to the second round. Just waiting for the end to come. The Bruins are just sitting around loving life right now. Because they dispatched of the Capitals on Sunday. And they got the winner of the Penguins Islander series. They're just kind of kicking back like, all right, just take your time. Play multiple overtimes. Go game seven. They'll be nice and fresh. <laughs> Whatever that second round series starts. Before I get back to the Pens and Islanders, I must uh, tell you about uh, Turtle Bits. Who doesn't love to save money on some fantastic items? I know I do. Brand new Turtle Bits auction uh, kicked off yesterday. Auctions are going on all week long. Tons of great stuff from local businesses, businesses across the region, the state even. There are several new things. Now, look, here's how it works. Uh, There are new items up for auction each day, right? So bidding starts and ends the same day. Fair enough? It's not the way it used to be. That's the way it is now. So you start bidding on a certain item in the morning, and then it closes that same day. So list of businesses, I can't go through them all. It's huge. But like the Wheelhouse Academy is on the slate for today's uh, turtle bids. Quick Shine Car Wash. A security system from TWR Communications is up for auction. A crossbow bundle from Backbone Mountain Sports Shop. Cartridges galore. Diamond earrings and necklace set from JS Pawn. All kinds of stuff up for auction today. Like I do, just go to the website, turtlebids.com. Register and start bidding. Bidding starts at 65% off the retail price. All right? That's where it starts. And then you go from there. And again, all the bids and stuff closes on the stuff I mentioned and more tonight. And then tomorrow, there'll be a new set to bid on. So it have, it's going on all week long. Check it out. Turtlebids.com. Uh, all right. So uh, back to pucks. And... Talk about the Penguins in a precarious predicament. That's the same thing? I don't know. Uh, losing last night, game five. They now travel a series three games to two. And as I mentioned uh, going into break, that should they lose tomorrow or in a game seven, then that will be their third straight first-round flameout in the playoffs. With a team that still has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Still a talented team. And then you got to start asking questions about where the team goes next. Does Mike Sullivan lose his job? And Sully's been good. He's been, he helped him win back to back Stanley Cups. But again, three straight years, first round, gone. Then you ask, is Tristan Jari the real answer in net? And you have to ask, has the window shut on the Crosby-Malkin era? Now, again, the Penguins, they're talented enough, they're deep enough, they can win the next two games. But it's an uphill climb because the Islanders are a just a, a, a horrible matchup for that team. 
and the way that Sorokin's playing in net, good luck. Good luck. The Islanders have won three games this series, and Sorokin was in net for all three. Semyon Varlamov was in the net the other two, and they lost him. Varlamov isn't seeing that net for the rest of this, this playoff series. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. Because Sorokin's has been that good. Malkin was good last night. All right? He kind of he, he finally got off the schneid. His goal last night was his first in the last 10 playoff games for him. And if the pens get bounced, we, we got to start talking about, just like I sat here yesterday, and again, I, I said before the break, there seems to be this parallel with the Capitals and the Penguins. They, they seem to be trending in the same direction. Aging superstars, talented teams that just haven't gotten it done lately in the past two or three seasons. And if the Pens lose this series, we got to start talking about Crosby's play. Now, there's no denying what he's done overall. All right? He's the franchise leader in playoff points. Uh, Malkin's goal last night, by the way, tied him with the great Mario Lemieux for second all-time in playoff points in team history. But Crosby is the team leader in playoff points. He's led the team to three Stanley Cups. All that we all we know that. But we also know that sports is a what have you done for me lately business. And lately, Crosby has been he's been okay. He's been good. But he hasn't quite been great. He had and this is this is where I'm going with this. He hasn't had a multiple-point playoff game in the last 15. And that dates back to 2018, all right? So no more than a single point in each of the last 15 playoff games. He's a minus five, and the Pens are 3-12 and 12 during that stretch. Now, don't get me wrong. He, he's still able to do things that not many players can. And he, but he's got to find a way to get on the score sheet more. And when I say that, I also understand that that's only part of his fault. I mean, he can only set up Brian Rust and Jake Gensel so much. If they can't score, that's not Crosby's fault. Gensel has been horrible this series. He, he hasn't scored a goal yet. He has been brutal through the first five games. And he has been getting pushed around and beat down and ragdolled, the the Islanders are taking their shots at Gensel, and it's working. Crosby is still doing very well, but he's got to do more. Jari has got to do more. The defense has defense cannot have the breakdowns like they had last night. So we'll see what happens. It's gut check time tomorrow on the island, right? Game will start shortly after 6.30. And either I'm sitting here Thursday talking about the Pens forcing the Game 7 or I'm sitting there talking about what's next. Because if the Penguins lose this series after winning the East Division, after looking so good on home ice and getting home, and if they lose this series to the Islanders, then oh boy, they got issues. Much like the Capitals. We mentioned yesterday, kind of a follow-up, when we were talking about Ovechkin. Ovechkin, uh, he's a free agent. His contract expired with the cap. Now, I, again, I will say, 
I don't expect Ovechkin to go anywhere. I expect him to re-sign with the Capitals. The question is, is that the best move for the Capitals? Ovechkin's 36. He is an aging superstar. The Capitals are one of the, if not the oldest team in the entire league. Do they really want to dump a bunch of money into Ovechkin instead of patching holes elsewhere? Because if they pump a bunch of money into a guy who's going to be 37 years old, what else is left? They're going to be pressed against the salary cap, if not over it. If they break the bank on Ovechkin, who can still score goals, but not much else anymore, where does that leave the rest of the team? And somebody, let me look it up. I don't, I don't want to misquote. My buddy Diesel sent me a text yesterday because they were talking about it on uh, SiriusXM, on NHL Network. And I want to get the host name right, because I don't, I don't want to misquote anybody. I think it was Boomer Gordon on NHL Network, who I love, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so Diesel was quoting Boomer Gordon here, who, who broke down how bad the Capitals are going to be for the next 10-plus years when they sign Ovechkin to a ridiculous contract at 36. He made the comparison, and, and I didn't think about it. It's a great comparison. He compared it to the Steelers continually kicking the can down the road with Ben Roethlisberger. Great comparison. Because the Steelers have, let's face it, they've mortgaged some. I, I know Roethlisberger took a pay cut this year. I understand it. But they're just trying to just, they, they've hamstrung themselves in certain ways by just keeping Roethlisberger around an extra year and an extra year and an extra year. Don't know how much better the Steelers are going to be this year with Roethlisberger still a quarterback. Don't know how much better the Capitals are going to be. And I know it's, I know it's, it's stupid to say. We're talking about one of the greatest goal, goal scorers in the history of the, of the National Hockey League. Ovechkin is top three all time. One, one of the best natural goal scorers we'll ever see in the history of the game and the history of the world. But if the Capitals throw a bunch of money at him next year or, or this offseason, do they do they sink the rest of the team? And then you're left with an aging superstar chasing this goals record, but then you're not very good, or, or at least you're not competitive for a Stanley Cup. I don't know. I'm glad they got to figure it out. I just got to sit here and talk about it. All right, in other action on the ice last night, <clears throat> the Maple Leafs. Took a 2-1 series lead with a 2-1 win over Montreal. Now, since the Canadian teams got a late start uh, to their playoff series because of COVID issues, they're playing very rare back-to-back playoff games. So those same two teams will play tonight. You rarely see that. They usually get one-day rest. Unless you're in the NBA when you get like eight days rest between playoff games. Last night... Edmonton and Winnipeg played the second of back-to-back games. Now, on Sunday, the Oilers blew a 4-1 lead in the third period, and the Jets won 5-4 in overtime to take a 3-0 series lead. So they were trying to close things out last night. 
The Oilers, not quite a three-goal lead, but they coughed up a one-goal lead in the third, and that game went to triple overtime. And now as it comes along the left side, nearly seven minutes gone here in the third overtime. Connor on a break, coming right side, he scores! Kyle Connor sends the Winnipeg Jets to the second round! A triple overtime winner! The call on NBC Sports Net. What is that chirping? And now it's gone. All right. Uh, Jets win the game 4-3 on Kyle Connor's triple OT winner. They sweep the series four games to none. Connor McDavid sent home again. So now Winnipeg will wait on the winner of the Toronto-Montreal series. Also last night, the Panthers avoided elimination with a 4-1 win over the Lightning 20-year-old rookie goaltender Spencer Knight made 36 saves in his playoff debut for the Panthers. I can't remember what I was doing at 20 years old, but I know I wasn't playing playoff hockey. I can tell you that. This kid this kid is so new to the league. When you look up his player profile on the ESPN's website, there, there's not even a picture of him. They just have like the gray silhouette. They don't even have a mugshot of this kid yet. But he makes 36 saves. He keeps the Panthers alive for at least one more game. Lightning still lead the series 3-2. They will host game six uh, tomorrow night. And the Wild scored three times in the first period, and they avoided elimination with a 4-2 win over Vegas. Golden Knights still lead the series 3-2 game six tomorrow night in Minnesota. Who's playing tonight? I don't even know. I should have looked it up. I know who's not playing. The Capitals. Oh! Oh, that... Oh, no, I didn't go there. I did, actually. All right, let's go to break. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. I checked the schedule during the break. Two games on tap tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Maple Leafs and uh, Le Canadien uh, played tonight at uh, Montreal, in Montreal. Toronto leads that series 2-1. to one, and, and probably the best series uh, of the year so far, or the postseason so far. The Preds and the Canes played tonight in Carolina. Uh, that series tied up two games apiece. Each team holding serve on home ice so far. Last two games going to overtime, uh, both won by Nashville. So there you go. Next hour, uh, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs, kind of get you caught up on what happened last night, and look at uh, tonight's action. Also, some NFL talk next hour. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers drama continues. Julio Jones, some drama of his own in Atlanta. He's probably gone uh, from the Falcons. Question is, uh, where does he go next? Don't forget, tonight, Nationals baseball here on WCMD. Nats open a three-game series at home against the Reds. Uh, Mad Max, Max Scherzer takes the mound uh, for the Nationals. Uh, pre-game, 6.35, uh, first pitch shortly after 7 o'clock right here on this uh, very station. Of course, the Nationals sweeping the first three games of this nine-game homestand, beating the Oreos. And now picking up uh, against the Reds tonight.
I uh, I'm I'm telling you, I'm so tired. I came and I came and stand myself right now. It's ridiculous. This is what playoff hockey does. I I miss a lot of it. Like last night would have been. I can't tell you how great it would have been to stay up and watch that Edmonton Winnipeg uh, triple overtime game. I mean, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. And the one thing that I miss because of this shift that I work, having to get up so early, is I miss West Coast hockey. I miss that's, that used to be when I was younger, one of my favorite things to do, especially in the first round of the playoffs, because you had games just especially during the weekend, like all day and all night. And there was always that one game that started at like 10.05. And it was just, it was everybody was usually in bed by then or going to bed. It was just you in a recliner with a beverage, maybe some snacks, and just staying up for some late night West Coast hockey. Last night would have been great, but couldn't do it. Instead, I stayed up and watched the Penguins flame out in double overtime against the Islanders. So there you go. <laughs> As is the case a lot of days, I'm sitting there working on like three hours sleep. It's just ridiculous. At least if I'm going to stay up that late, the Penguins, can you make it worth my while? Can you at least, can I at least you know, make the suffering worth I have to sit here and trudge through the morning on three hours rest, slowly killing myself? Can you at least make you know, give me a victory? That's too much to ask, really. Not to mention the fact that yesterday... I kind of started down this journey, down this path again of trying to get unfat. So I'm a little bit on edge. <laughs> the first the first week or so is always difficult. Trying to get back into the routine. Trying to get back into eating properly. And trying to find, you know, getting off my butt and taking a walk. Or working out or doing something. It's a very harsh reality whenever you, I, you know, I just, I figured I got, I got to do something. You know, I got, it's been on my mind a lot since I turned 50 a couple months ago. I am not, in, I'm probably in the worst shape I've ever been in my entire life. Not exactly where you want to be as you get older. Fair enough. I just kind of gotten to the point where, I got to stop pretending like, you know, a heart attack is just going to happen to somebody else, but, you know, oh, it'll never happen to me, you know? Oh, a stroke would just happen to somebody else. It'll never happen to me. Ah, high blood pressure, diabetes, that's somebody else's problem. That stuff can never happen to me. I, I'm, I've reached a point where I got to stop pretending like that's, you know, reality. You know what I mean? Like, I get the feeling that something terrible is going to happen to me if I don't start changing things. Like, that that's where I'm at. Maybe that's what it takes. And, and hopefully, I've gotten to that point soon enough to where something terrible doesn't happen. Like, some, some awful health thing is going to go down if I don't start changing stuff. So I'm in day two. It's not even day two. It's like one day plus a couple hours. And it, <laughs> I'm a little bit jittery when you kind of, you know, I don't know what was harder. I, I smoked for 17 years, right? And I quit cold turkey. 
I don't know what's more difficult. Seriously. Like quitting smoking cold turkey or quitting stuffing my fat face with everything I could find cold turkey. And ironically enough, start eating more cold turkey. It's not, man. Hey, people who, who don't go through the, the, the struggle have no idea. You have no idea. People, you know, who, who don't know what it's like to ride that roller coaster, got no clue what it's like to have to battle the weight issues over and over and over again. So I'm going to try to tackle them again. So if I'm in more, you know, if I am more on edge than usual, if I am more annoyingly just, you know, nasty than usual, you have to forgive me. Because basically it's exhaustion on top of uh, starving. Anyway. All right, hour number one in the books. When we come back, like I mentioned, some NBA talk, NFL talk. Continue to ride that wave of Phil Mickelson, the big win at the PGA over the weekend. Your phone calls, 301-759-2628. Get involved. Stick around. Hour number two around the corner. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. We talked uh, late in the hour about my quest once again to uh, get unfat. It's only a day in, and uh, I can't stand myself. It's just whenever you feel deprived of something, it's just it's miserable. And it takes a while to get used to it. It takes a while to understand that I'm not really depressed. I just I can still eat the stuff I like. I just can't eat the stuff I like every single meal. Which is why I'm in this spot in the first place. Anyway, uh, we talked about that and other stuff. Uh so check it out on our podcast page. Again, on the free Podbean app. All right. Some NBA to get to here in just a bit. Some NFL talk. But before we get to any of that, let's one more time today rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we mentioned the Pens and Islanders. So we'll start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. They played a pivotal game five last night in Pittsburgh, and they needed extra time to settle their differences. Just outside the blue line of the Islanders on the goal and in an awkward blocker save here. A turnover chance for Bailey to look. Shoot, he Josh Bailey has won it in overtime. Islanders win it three to two. They take a three games to two series lead and will have a chance to close out the Penguins Wednesday night at the Coliseum in game six. <laughs> they take a three two series lead. <laughs> the <laughs> That's not right. I don't even know that guy. He's excited and he should be. I'm just bitter because the Penguins lost. Uh, call on the Islanders radio network. 3-2 the final on Josh Bailey's double OT winner. Isles take a 3-2 series lead. Game 6 back on the island tomorrow uh, at 6.30. Which I love that start time, 6.30. Because now if that game goes to double overtime or triple overtime, I might be able to watch most of it. Evgeny Malkin had a power play goal. Brian Russ the other goal. 
for the Penguins. In Major League Baseball, the Orioles were in Minnesota trying to snap a six-game losing streak. And the 0-1 pitch. Line drive to right down the line. That's going to be a fair ball. It lands. It scoots by Santander. Garlic scores. Here comes Kirilov heading home. He will score sliding and Garver drives in two. And the Twins take a 5-3 lead here in the eighth inning. The call on the Treasure Island radio network Six runs for the Twins in the eighth inning, and they rallied to beat the O's 8-3. D.J. Stewart hit a two-run homer in the top of the eighth uh, that gave Baltimore a 3-2 lead, but Minnesota came back with six straight two-out hits in the bottom half of the frame. Uh, Cesar Valdez blew his fourth save in 12 chances. Elsewhere, Nationals and Pirates were both off yesterday. Nats continue their nine-game homestand. Did I just say not did I just say that right? Nine game home stand with the first of three games against Cincinnati. The Pirates open a three game were against the Cubs at PNC Park. This is what happens when you are sleep deprived. Now, the Nationals game, oh by the way, of course, we are the home of the Washington Nationals. Not the home, one of the homes. Catch the game right here, pregame 635, first pitch. Uh, shortly after 7 o'clock, Max Scherzer takes the mound for Washington. In college football, West Virginia received a verbal commitment from junior college defensive back Caleb Coleman. Uh, Coleman played seven games for Hutchison Community College in Kansas this spring. He has three interceptions and 20 tackles. He received a scholarship offer from West Virginia on May 5th. Also has offers from Washington State and Western Kentucky, and in high school tennis. Some Mineral County doubles teams are headed to the West Virginia State Tournament. Uh, Kaiser's number one doubles team of Dylan Wilson and Alex Stanislawczyk. I hope I pronounced that right. It was close. As somebody whose last name is very hard to uh, pronounce, I always try to get last names right or come close to it anyway. And the number two doubles team of Caleb Kitzmiller and Hunter Powell qualified for states. Frankfurt's number two doubles team of Bryson Lane and Kyle Shoemaker also headed to Charleston. Congrats to all of them. The regionals, I do believe, continue today. So we could have some more qualifiers uh, for the uh, state tennis tournament in Charleston. So there you go. Uh, thanks to uh, Chapin Jewel, hardest working man in regional sports, who uh, stays on top of all that stuff which is where I got all that information from. So there you go. Uh, that's your Rock Around the Region brought to you by uh, the Caporelli Group. So some NBA action. We covered the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs uh, last hour. Let's cover the NBA playoffs right now. As soon as I can find my page again. Where is it? This is ridiculous. There it is. Two game uh, twos on tap last night in the NBA playoffs. Both uh, the three versus six matchups in each conference. In the East, the Bucks were looking to take a 2-0 series lead over the Heat in Milwaukee. Middleton, top of the key. Bounce to Giannis, winds up, slams it. What a beautiful bounce pass by Chris Middleton. 84-55, Bucks 23 for Giannis. The call on WTMJ, 31 points, 13 boards, 6 assists for the Greek Freak as the Bucks absolutely rolled the Heat. 132 to 98 to take a 2 nothing series lead. This game was it was never close. 
the Bucs put up 46 points in the first quarter and led 46-20 to 20 after one. Uh, they kept their foot on the gas in the second quarter, led 78-51 at the break, the highest first-half point total in Bucks playoff history. Uh, Heat head coach Eric Spolstra says it's what, it's what the Bucks do. Well, they definitely set the tone for the game, uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, with their energy, the pressure, you know, 94 feet, uh, um, and then just playing, you know, a lot uh, in transition or semi-transition. And they're a great, you know, first quarter team, you know, when they, when they can get it uh, rolling. And, you know, that's what they've done for large parts of the year. Milwaukee uh, shot 53 three-pointers. I can't. They shot fifty-three three-pointers, and they made twenty-two, including a fifteen of twenty-nine in the first half. Never trailed in the game, led by as many as thirty-six. So complete domination, start to finish for the Bucks, and now they are two wins away from, of course, avenging last year's loss to the Heat in the second round of that postseason. In the other 3-6 series out west, the Nuggets hosted the Blazers trying to uh, tie up their series at a game apiece. Porter picked him. He's on his back. Front court Monte. Off to Harrison. Two hands and a foul as well on C.J. McCollum. Might be the play of the game for Denver. The call on Altitude Sports Radio 128-109 the final as Denver gets the win. To even up the series, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, went for 38 points and 8 boards for the Nugs. Uh, Dame Lillard, 42 points, 10 assists in a losing effort. Denver took advantage of 21 Portland turnovers. The Nugs outscored the Blazers in the paint, 54-32, and in fast break points, 16-4. Game got a little physical, got a little chippy. There were four technical fouls called, three on Denver, and there were two flagrant one calls uh, on C.J. McCollum and uh, Carmelo Anthony. Denver head coach uh, Michael, don't call me Mike Malone, loved the intensity of the game. That right there was a a playoff game, you know, for both teams. The intensity, uh, you know, you had two high-level players and Damian Lillard and Nicole Jokic playing uh, at their respective levels. Um, the crowd was great. You know, a, lot, a big shout out to our crowd making this such a tough place to play. Um, but you know, it, it was chippy. You know, and that's the way it should be. You know, we're both fighting for something, and, and that, that's the way the playoffs should be. So uh, I loved it. You know, that, that's my kind of game right there. Uh, I thought Aaron Gordon in the second half. You know, Damian Lillard in that first 32 points. I thought to hold them to 10 points in that second half and only one made three was critical to us getting that win. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this. Uh, we always talk to our players about staying ready. And Shaq Harrison played about a minute and 15 seconds in that first half and had a huge impact. So this was truly a team win. Yes, Nicola scored 38. Uh, other guys contributed. But everybody that played, even the guys that didn't play, were into the game and bringing that energy. Uh, and, and I loved it. We didn't get down after game one. We're not getting too high after game two. Uh, we, we have a lot of work to still do. So, again, that series tied at a game apiece. Uh, game three will be Thursday in Portland. So another two days rest between playoff games, which is absolutely stupid. And I kind of I poked fun there 
when I said, Michael, don't call me Mike Malone. Coach caught a little bit of heat on social media because in game, I think it was game one of the series, they were conducting an in-game interview with the coach on the TV side. And I don't know who the young lady was doing the interview, but she started off by calling him Mike. And he immediately corrected her, and he was like, Michael, Michael, Mike." He doesn't like to be called Mike. He, he's Michael Malone. And people on social media, because they had nothing better to do, started ripping him, saying, oh, oh excuse me. Oh, you know, Mr. Entitled, Mr. Like, really? We're, we're going to attack a guy for, I don't know, wanting to be called by his name? I mean, that's, 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 that's where social media is just, just peak idiocy, right? People were calling this guy out because he corrected this reporter or, or TV person because she called him by the wrong name. He is Michael, right? Look, look my, my first name is Anthony. That, that's my given name. But I go by Tony. I got no problem with it. None whatsoever. As a matter of fact, only my closest family members call me Anthony. Everybody else just calls me Tony or T or whatever. But some people don't like the nickname. Some people don't like Tony. I know some guys who go by, you. they're Anthony and that's it. You know, God forbid somebody wants to be called by their given name. <laughs> anyway. Let's keep that in mind for future reference. It's Michael Malone. Three games on tap uh, tonight. In the East, we got Boston uh, at Brooklyn. Nets lead that series 1-0. I don't, Boston's not going to win a game that series. I'm sorry. If the Nets don't sweep that series, I'll be shocked. We got the Lakers at the Suns. Uh, Phoenix leads that series 1-0. And we have the Mavs at the Clips. Game two of that series, uh, the Mavericks lead that series uh, 1-0. And <laughs> Kendrick Perkins, who has never been one you know short for opinion, says that uh, he kind of likes the Mavericks in this series because nobody is really afraid of the Clippers anymore. But nobody saw how Luka put Patrick Beverly in the dungeon and talked noise and said he's too uh, small, too bleeping small. Luka has the confidence against the Clippers. By the way, the Clippers, they lost two games to get the Mavericks. You don't think the Dallas Mavericks have a chip on their shoulder going in there saying, hey, this is what y'all wanted? We about to give y'all everything and more? The role players are not scared of them. Porzingis is not scared of them. Right now, the Clippers cannot afford to go down 0-2. No one is afraid of them. You remember Stephen A., everybody was talking about the Rough Riders last season and how they just be bullying people? Nobody's scared of that. Nobody believes that no more, Max. This is why I'm saying the Clippers cannot go down 0-2. And that's something I I kind of – I didn't forget about, but I, I put it on the back burner. And we talked about this on a previous show. The Clippers tanked the last two games of the regular season to get that four spot so they would have to avoid the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals. And I never really thought that Dallas would take that personally. Like, oh, you're going to lose the last two games on purpose so you can play us and avoid the Lakers? Well, we got a little something for you.
And the Mavs had something for him in game one, and we'll see what happens in game two. The Clippers lose this game tonight, and they fall down 0-2 going back to Dallas. It could be sweet dreams. Sometimes you got to, hey, careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> careful what you wish for. You want to lose and taint games to try to, you know, manipulate your playoff seating, and they get beat in the first round, that would be, actually, that would be hilarious. Now, I mentioned the Lakers and the Suns game, game two tonight. Phoenix won the first game 99-90. to And a little bit of controversy surrounding that game and the first game, really. Actually, going all the way back to the play-in game when the Lakers played the Warriors. Because LeBron James, according to the NBA, violated their health and safety protocol. LeBron attended an event. It was an outdoor event to kick off, I guess, some new tequila brand. Is it me or does is there a new tequila brand like every week? Doesn't that seem like it seems like somebody comes up with a new tequila like every every third day there's a new brand of tequila or vodka hitting the market. Anyway, so LeBron attends this outdoor event to kick off this tequila brand. And the NBA was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You can't do that. That is in violation of our, you know, we're trying to keep people, you know, safe away from COVID. And he's out there hobnobbing it, rubbing elbows with, you know, whoever for this tequila brand. Then it comes out that, uh, well, they, well, they were very careful. The people at this event, they made sure that everybody was screened. And, uh, you know, they either had, uh, they're you know, fully vaccinated or they had negative test results come back for the COVID. So it was, so the NBA says it was cool. Oh, it's cool. Hey, you violated the uh, health and safety protocol, but you really, they determined that it wasn't really a risk. That LeBron really didn't, uh, yeah, he wasn't a risk factor to come back and get his team sick. So they're like, even though you really, by the letter of the law, LeBron, you, you violated the protocols, we're going to let you slide on this one because of the precautions that were made at this event. Which really, it really stinks. It really, what's the old saying? Rules for thee, but not for me. Is that what it is? Like, the question is, if this was anybody else, would they have been quarantined? If this was anybody else but LeBron James, would the NBA have dropped the hammer? Right? Look at a guy like Karis LeVert for the Pacers, who missed both playing tournament games. Because he was quarantined. Like, here's a guy who the Pacers desperately needed, especially against the Wizards, couldn't play. Couldn't play because of the health and safety protocols. LeBron breaks the protocols by going to this event. And I, I, I don't care if they screened everybody properly. I don't care if everybody there was vaccinated or they had negative tests. It violated the protocols. The NBA has this, just like the NFL does in Major League Baseball, they have these rules in place that you cannot do this. You cannot put yourself in jeopardy, therefore putting your team in jeopardy. You can't do this because there's still a pandemic going on. LeBron did it, and he got nothing.
No quarantine, no suspension, nothing. Because the NBA would rather look like chumps to keep LeBron in the playoffs than follow their own rules and suspend him or or quarantine him. It's a bad look for the NBA. It's a bad look. Stephen A. Smith says, yeah, it's a bad look, but they should have done it anyway. Well, the NBA looks a little weak. Let me say for the record, I don't care. I would have made the same decision. Hmm. It is a double standard without question. Nobody's checking the king, as my man Charlie Mack likes to say. Mm -hmm. You can't have the players without LeBron James. And let, uh, because of because of some off the court matter. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You can't do that. That's just bad for business, and we all know business is what this all comes down to. Even though the NBA looked weak, I would have looked weak too, because I would have done the same damn thing. I would have acknowledged that he was in violation of safety protocols, but I would have still let him play. I'll be damned if I'm having the players without LeBron James, because LeBron James sitting out. Oh, no, no, that ain't happening. I'm not doing that. So let me be very, very clear, because what I'm about to say is going to be just a complete opposite point of what I just made. While I'm acknowledging that it was weak, and, but I would have done the same thing. If I'm anybody in the NBA who has been quarantined or suspended over the last you know year for violating those health and safety protocols, I'm, I'm probably a little bit PO'd right now. If I'm somebody who got in trouble for doing something that I shouldn't have done and lost playing time. I don't know if if they get docked pay or not. I'm not quite sure. I'm a little bit miffed that LeBron gets to skate simply because he's LeBron. Again, rules for thee, not for me. And, And we've seen that a lot over the past year plus, especially with people who run certain states in this country. Anyway. You got to have rules. You got to, and there's a, it's a clear, and, and Stephen Ace, it's a clear double standard. Remember we, uh, the book, the Jordan Rules? That they, uh, people, com- teams complain for years that there is a separate set of rules for Michael Jordan. And it's no secret that superstars get different treatment. It's no secret. I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing new. It's just a bad look. It's a horrible look for the NBA or any professional sports league when you let a superstar skate after they break the rules simply because it's the playoffs. If if this was the middle of the regular season, they probably would have suspended LeBron. They probably would have made him sit. But because it's the playoffs, if I'm the Warriors, you know how mad I am? Because really, if the NBA would have enforced the rules, LeBron would have missed that playing game against the Warriors. If I'm the Warriors and Steph Curry, I'm PO'd right now. I'm the past couple days. Because LeBron should have never played in that game. It's a terrible double standard. And it's look, and Stephen A said it, it's a business. It's bad for business when one of your biggest superstars isn't playing. But if you're not willing to drop the hammer on your best players, if you're not willing to enforce the rules then what kind of credibility do you have? Seriously. How can you look at anybody ever again and try to enforce a rule or crack down on somebody when you don't do it across the board? 
It's another reason why I, it's just another reason I hope the Lakers lose. There are several. But I hope the Lakers, I I hope the Suns sweep them. I hope they blow them up. And then we'll still have the playoffs without LeBron James. And you know what? We'll all still survive. Nobody's bigger than the game, man. Is that what they always say? Not one player is bigger than the game. Well, apparently in the NBA, uh, there is. All right, time for a break. News, weather coming up. Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Hit me up on Twitter at, uh, what is it now? WCMD. It changed again. I can't keep track of the changes. I can't. I can't. Twitter pages change. Facebook changes. Time changes. Programming changes. I come in today and there's an extra phone line here that wasn't here yesterday. I didn't know anything about it. Rush line is still there. 759-2628. Then there's another line right next to it. I don't know where it came from, but there it is. You know, one thing that doesn't change is the great savings at Turtle Bids. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Uh, brand new Turtle Bids auctions kicked off yesterday. And if you're like me, you like to save uh, big time money on big time items from big time businesses, uh, local businesses, regional businesses. Turtlebids.com, the place to go. Get yourself registered and start bidding on some great items each day. Again, started yesterday and all throughout this week. There'll be a new set of items to bid on each day. So bidding opens and closes on the same day. A little different than it was in the past. Today, we have items. We got the Wheelhouse Academy out there in Fort Ashby. Allegheny Driving School. Isn't that where, uh, isn't that Chapin, isn't he? I think so. A security system uh, from TWR Communications. Crossbow bundle from Backbone Mountain Sports Shop. Dylan's Country Treasures. Faith Creek Candles. All, I mean, you got, the list is, is, is long. The items are plentiful. And the bidding starts at 65% off the retail price. 65% off. So head over at some point today, turtlebids.com. Register, start bidding on some great stuff. Again, new items posted every day throughout the week. So there you go. You know what I should do? I mentioned uh, in the, with the first hour, yeah, end of the first hour, how I'm trying to get back on the weight loss healthy kick again for the, I don't know, 40th time of my life. I should just take like uh, take advice, like, like open it up to you guys, and, and see what you guys do. Like if, if you struggle through the same stuff, if if you've gone through it, if something's worked for you, because obviously it hasn't worked for me. You know, there's the old joke back in the day when I was a smoker. You know, we'd always say, "Ah, quitting smoking's easy. Do it all the time." It's kind of the same way. Ah, losing weight's easy. I do it all the time. <laughs> it just never sticks. I am never hungrier in my life than whenever I start trying to lose weight again. Never. I just want to, even when I'm not hungry, I feel hungry. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm trying, I'm trying again. I'm trying again. I have to. 
Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to die in 10 years from now, you know? That's pretty much what it's gotten to. Like back in the day, whenever I was younger, trying to stay in shape, you know, was for the ladies. Trying to stay in shape was to, you, to look good. You know, college years and stuff like that. Going out, hanging out, going to, you know, establishments. You wanted to look good. Now it's a, it's a matter of feeling good. Now it's a matter of being healthy, right? Want to be healthy. I'm getting old. Got to start changing some ways. Got to start changing some habits. Because I really, it would really be inconvenient if I just dropped over dead one day. It would really kind of cramp my style. <laughs> if I was walking up 10 steps and then just fell over and that was it. Because I didn't take better care of myself. You know what I mean? It's just not healthy. You know, and I, I talk about it. And there and there's this whole, there's this whole, I don't know, revolution, this whole groundswell of support for, for big folk like me. Right? There was the whole fat shaming. Oh, you can't say anything about big people because you're fat shaming them. You're making them feel bad for being big. Right? And that's not, that's not, you know. Not necessarily true. There is this whole uh, "big is beautiful" kick, and it can't. I'm not saying. It, I'm not saying that. You know, I'm a big guy, so I can talk about it. Call her. Hold on. I'm a big guy. I call myself fat because that's what I am. People don't like that word, so they use other words. But it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's unhealthy. Forget about the the the, the visible aspect of it. It's unhealthy. To be overweight, obese. This is called what it is. Let's go to the rush line, 301-759-2628. I hope this is uh, Richard Simmons or somebody of that ilk, although I don't know. Does anybody know who Richard Simmons is these days? I don't know. All right, you're up. Who's this? I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but it's not Richard Simmons. Sorry about that. Is he even still alive? I don't even know if he is. I'm not sure. He probably is because he exercises. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's usually what happens. You know, when you eat right and you exercise, you usually live long. That's right. What's up, Dwayne? What's going on? Oh, not much. Hey, um, what was that sound that you made when you was walking up the flight of steps and you died? Yeah. That was that's a- usually what happens when you die. <laughs> I run. That's right. You know, that's so, a great point. Uh, you yeah, empty kinda, yourself. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, kind of a big dude, need to probably drop a couple LBs. So I have had success before with keto. Really? I've I've heard that, right. Yeah. Problem is, like, I'm a sandwich guy. You know, Uh. everything, everything's on a big, nice hoagie roll or, you know, two slices of bread or a a hamburger bun, you know. Those are the things that I like. Or, you know, pizza that's basically a bread right. boat, right. you know. So, yeah, that that I struggle with that, but I have had success in the past. The thing is, you've got to do it longer than, like, two days. Right. <laughs> so if, right. You, if you do it longer than two days, like, the, the best I did was about – I was – I don't know, like 96 days, something like that, somewhere in 100 days. About three months or so. Yeah, and I was really starting to lose and and everything like that, and I was thinning out. 
Plus, I was doing P90X at the time. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to couple the two. You can't, like, if you exercise like crazy, you can't just, you know, eat DHE steak subs, you know, two at a time. Right, because you'll, you'll, you'll stay where you're at. You'll, you'll remain stagnant. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's my suggestion. Um, and another th- suggestion, too, and I'm, I might, I might uh, think about just, you know, just going for it and putting money in because you're going to put money into stuff anyway. Right. At least put in put it into something that's going to help you. I might get a personal trainer, somebody like not one of these guys. You know, motivational. You can do it. You know, I want like a former drill sergeant <laughs> to like <laughs> just kick me in the behind right. every morning. I guess that's what I need. You know, I need a, a, a knock upside the head or something like that. But, I'll tell you the uh, truth. Uh, I did that um, a while ago. It wasn't, wasn't quite the drill sergeant route, but I did that. It was, it was like, I can't say where it's at because it's a local business. So I can't really go that. But it was a three-month thing, and it was one of the best things I've done. Because if there's somebody there to hold you accountable for everything. Yeah, because obviously... I am not uh, adult enough and mature enough to hold myself accountable. <laughs> We're in the same boat, Dwayne. We're in the same boat, brother, for sure. Well, the struggle's real. The struggle is real, man. Day. All right, Dwayne, thanks for the call, man. 301-759-2628. The struggle is real. We sit here and laugh about it, but it comes to a point where it's not a laughing matter. You know? And as I was saying before Dwayne called, People, people have made it in this today, you know, today's day and age in this society. They've made it almost like you can't talk about being big, or you can't talk about it in a negative way, or else you're just you're fat shaming people, right? You can't talk about it that way, even though I am one myself. Can't do that. You can't make people feel bad about being big, and that's not the point. The point is, it's not healthy. I can sit there right now, and I'm, I'm probably, I don't know what the exact chart is. I bet you I'm close to 100 pounds overweight. How about that? I bet you I'm close to a, a bill overweight. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It's just not. I don't care how you try to slice it. I don't care how you try to sugarcoat it, which is also a problem with the sugar. But I don't care how you try to portray it in a po- or, or put it in a positive light. It's not healthy. It's not good for you to be overweight, to be obese. It just isn't. And we've kind of made it acceptable these days to say it's okay. Now, look, if you got issues, you got health issues, I get it. I understand it. There are some things out of your control. But this is well within my control. And I guess I've just gotten to the point where it's just like, you know what? I If I'm going to die, I'd rather it not be from something that I can control. And we're all going to die sooner or later. But if I can help prolong, <laughs> you know, extend it, why not? But Dwayne, some good suggestions. that I heard about the keto thing and the low-carb thing and whatnot. It may be a route. Usually in the past when I've actually, you know, put my nose, put my head down and it's got to work, it's just simply watching what I eat and exercise. Like there's no, there's no plan to follow. There's nothing like that. Because – like Dwayne said, you got to do it longer for two days. 
And really, if you want the best results, it's got to be a lifestyle change. It just can't be, you know, I'm going to do it for three months, four months, five months, reach a goal, and then quit. It's got to be something you do, like, for years if you want it to stick. And the best way I've always done it was just to quit eating like an idiot and then get off my butt and exercise. Because a lot of it's just, I don't know, it's laziness. It's easier for me to eat what I want and not move. It's easier to do that than to be disciplined and watch what I eat and actually go move and take a walk or work out or whatever. Now, Dwayne mentioned P90X. I don't know if I'm ever going that route. But something has to be, you know what I mean? Something has to be done. It's just about putting in the hard work. When we talk about Phil Mickelson yesterday, what, what, what did Phil say after he won the PGA Championship? Right? Just because you're older doesn't mean you can't be at your best. You just got to put in a little more work. That's what we're talking about here. So I'll figure it out sooner or later. Like I said, yesterday was the first day. Not even halfway through day number two. <laughs> it does get easier, but it's just it's getting started. It's getting into it. It's getting into that routine. The changes. It's about this. It's about all that stuff. All that stuff has been missing, which is why I'm in this spot in the first place. We'll see. Maybe the keto thing's the way to go. The low carb fat, but I like bread too. I'm like Dwayne. I like bread, pizza. Oh, come on. All right. Uh, one more break and back to wrap it up. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, a couple NFL notes. It looks like uh, Julio Jones is definitely out of Atlanta. Yesterday, Shannon Sharp on FS1 called Julio during their show, and they were talking about it, and Julio basically said, I'm out of here. I'm done. Not exactly something that I would imagine the Falcons wanted wanted, uh, public, But here we are. With more on it, as soon as I find the button here, here's Adam Schefter. The truth of the matter is that Julio Jones went to Falcons management back in March and asked for a trade back then and made it clear that he wanted to leave Atlanta. Now, again, both sides have tried to operate and keep this quiet and keep it private until the Falcons could work out a cap savings. But today, Julio Jones told Shannon Shop he's out of there. And so once he told Shannon Sharp that message, it became a little bit more public than I think both sides wanted it to be at that point in time. But now it seems like a foregone conclusion that Julio Jones will be dealt from Atlanta sometime in the coming days after June 1. Both sides knew the truth and were operating underneath the truth since March. Well, now the truth is out because Julio basically told Sharp, I'm done. I'm out. Now it's a matter of where does he go and what does Atlanta get for him? Supposedly, reportedly, the Falcons have been asking for a first-round draft pick. So far, no takers. Teams aren't willing to part with a first-round pick for Julio Jones, who admittedly is up there in age, had some health issues, but he's still a productive Pro Bowl receiver. I got a feeling now that teams really, really know that Julio wants out, they're going to squeeze the Falcons and they're not going to get a first round pick for second round at best. So there's drama in the ATL. There's also drama 
with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers as it has been for days and weeks now since the draft and the story came out that he told some people with any organization he doesn't want to be there anymore. And so speculation has been all over the place. Is it true? Does he really want to leave? Why does he really want to leave? Is there more to it than what we say? Is there not, you know, is the media blowing it up? Well, Rodgers hasn't been to uh, any off-season workouts yet. He hasn't been involved in anything. And Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for ESPN, says, well, if you didn't think the drama was real then, it pretty much is now. Anybody who thought this wasn't a real beef between Rodgers and the organization, and believe me, there are some people who still didn't believe the story, should know now that it is real. Rodgers has always participated in these off-season programs before, whether it's the conditioning and training in Phase 1 or the Phase 2 and three, Phase 3 on-field stuff. He's already missed enough, Kevin, that he's not going to get his $500,000 workout bonus. Well, you may say, well, that's not a lot of money to a guy who's making 20-some million a year. He's always collected on it in the past. Now, if that didn't make you think the drama was real, Rodgers, and we don't have time to play the clip right now, but he was on SportsCenter. Uh, Kenny Main's last show at ESPN, oh, by the way. And Rodgers pretty much said, that he didn't say it was about Jordan Love. He didn't say, you know, he said he, he loves a good kid. And the Packers drafting Jordan Love isn't the reason, isn't the cause for this friction. Rodgers pretty much said that it's just a difference in philosophy. Didn't really expand on what that philosophy is or what the differences are. But Rodgers, first of all, he basically he admitted, yes, there is there are some issues. Yes, there is some drama. Yes, I may want to be somewhere else. And then he said it's just a difference in philosophy. His philosophy and the team's. And although he didn't go into detail, I have a feeling that Rodgers' philosophy is, I'm your Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm your Hall of Fame quarterback. I want more say in decisions. And since he's not getting that, he's upset. Either that or Rodgers is just really still upset. that the pa- And this, this is amazing. The Packers have yet to draft a wide receiver in the first round since Aaron Rodgers has been there. That could be the difference in philosophy. Like, I'm here, busting my butt, Hall of Fame career, getting this, dragging this team to the playoffs, and you can't even help me with one first-round receiver. Maybe they go after Julio Jones. Maybe that softens the blow a little bit. Who knows? But Rodgers admitted, yep, there's an issue. Has nothing to do with Jordan Love. Just a difference in philosophy. If they Can they work it out? Who knows? Wouldn't that be something? Julio Jones goes to Green Bay. There's your top-notch receiver right there. All right. Show's done. We're finished. Enjoy your day. See you back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. sharp. Try stay today with Amanda is up next. Stick around right here on WCMD. See ya.